Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How many of you excited to be here this morning? Amen. I tell you, uh, I, I'm certainly excited. I know you are too. Um, this morning we kick off our series Vertical, and uh, and if it seems like we're we're making a big deal of this series, we are. Okay, because we believe it is a big deal. We believe that that Vertical through this series and through what God is doing in this place and what He just continues to reveal to us as we as we move forward as a, as a church, you know, one of the things that we have come to believe is that this series is going to be one of the most transitional and historical series that, that one day we're going to be able to look back and say, remember when we went through vertical? You, you know how you have those times in your life? And I believe this is going to be one of those moments in our life where, uh, where we're able to look back and say, this is what God did in our community and, and among us as a, as a faith family and so I'm, I'm very excited about this series. I'm very excited about diving into this thing and, and, and just seeing, watching what God's going to do uh, in our lives. I, I believe that God is going to just build our faith in tremendous ways uh, through everything that we, we walk through together. And so I'm just excited about this series, and, and I hope that you are as well. The, the subtitle to this series, and I want to just really make a big deal about this because this is a bigger deal, I think. And, and the subtitle is this, Building Up Generations of Disciples. So as we think about vertical, we don't want to miss the, the truth that, that what vertical is more about than anything else that we could imagine is that it's about building up generations of disciples. God has given us a, a unique opportunity He's given us a, a, a very unique vision to reach our city for Christ, to, to carry the gospel message into the, the streets of our communities and to share the gospel, that message of hope, to where lives will be transformed forever by the power and presence of Jesus Christ. This series and what we do here is all about Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's one of the reasons why we are very excited about it. This, this is more than just a building campaign that we're going to be walking through during this series. This is about people. And so we don't want to miss that. We don't want to, we don't want to stray away from that. We have always been a church that is a church about the, the people, and we want to make sure that we, we understand that aspect of it. We also recognize that this series is, is what we would call around here, and maybe this has always been more of an internal term that we use around here, but we, we would recognize Vertical as a spiritual initiative. And I just want to really help us to understand here before we pray and dive into God's Word here what that really means. When, when we talk about Vertical being a spiritual initiative, we would, we would mean this. That in just three weeks from now, we're going to cross a finish line. In other words, we're going to come into this place and we're going to make a commitment to vertical and to moving forward in a building campaign. But what we need to recognize is in those three weeks when we cross that finish line, that that's really not a finish line for us. It's really the starting line for our future. Amen? And so it's really the beginning of everything that's to come. And so uh, it's, it's one of these things where we believe that through this initiative, God is going to really challenge our hearts. He's going to take us deeper. Uh, I love that we were singing the song a while ago, Deeper Waters. I love that, uh, just singing about taking us into those deeper waters. And we believe, 
as a staff and leadership and the life group leaders and everyone that's involved with this, uh, this project so far, you know, one of the things that we believe is that God is going to grow our faith in the midst of this initiative. I want you to, I know you had to have noticed coming in, but I want you to look around and, and you'll see, you'll notice these bright green t-shirts that, that a lot of people in this worship center are wearing. And, and, and they're here to, uh, to say, we can help you answer your questions as we walk through this. But more than that, and I just want to just thank these that are wearing these t-shirts this morning. These are the ones that have been working on this project for several months now. And so we just want to uh, I just want to thank them for their efforts here, but also many of these people are, are involved in the leadership of this church and are part of, uh, of, of putting this thing together. So could we, just, uh, could we just thank those that are involved in this project as we prepare to, to dive into this? If you have any questions, comments, or whatever, just please, any of the people in the green shirts can help you, and, and many others can too. Uh, you notice I'm not in a green shirt, but I'm here to... to uh, to just uh, help you in any way I can. So anyway, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the message here this morning. Pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your presence in our life, and God, the, the history that we have together as a faith family, walking together and journeying together, Lord, in your presence, in your midst, uh, Lord, in your direction, and, and Lord, just in, in the incredible ways that you, you lead us. And so, Father, I, I thank you for, for the past. I thank you for everything that you have done up to this point. But I'm also very thankful, God, for everything that you're going to do, both in our lives as individuals and then also in our life collectively as a faith family. Lord, we just are so thankful for who you are. And God, we worship you. And we adore you. And Father, we are just, just, Lord, just thank you so much for all that you are. And Father, I pray that as we prepare our hearts to, to dive into your word this morning, I pray, God, that you would, you would help us to place aside every distraction. That God, as we look into your word, your word would challenge us and teach us and equip us and prepare us for that which you would call us to continue doing in our communities and in our lives. And Lord, as we focus on you this morning, as we, as we pause to just thank you for this time with you, God, I pray that you would meet us in a special way. God, we love you so much and we thank you, God, for all that you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, the, the, the sermon is titled, Imagining What God Can Do. Imagining What God Can Do. And there's, there's a lot of significance in this title. There's a, uh, this title is, is very intentional. Because where we want to begin in this series is, is calling the church to really contemplate what God is capable of doing. What God is capable of doing. Now, the reality is many of us, when we think about God, we would think that maybe, you know, that, that with God all things are possible. But I think many times in our life as we journey with Christ, as we live out our faith, uh, many times we think of that, uh, that, that with God all things are possible. But we, we really never stop to pause and think about just how profound that is, that God can accomplish anything He desires and 
many times we see God move in ways that, that can only be identified as God moving in our life. And so this series, as we kick it off, is about us understanding and imagining and contemplating and considering all that God is capable of doing. This is where we're starting off. We're diving in this morning to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And so go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, if you will, and we'll dive into this passage. I love this, this text. Uh, Joshua is one of my most favorite books of the Old Testament, and I love this. And, and, and what we see here in, this, in, in Joshua is that this is a, a compelling and historical story of, uh, of faithfulness, of faith, and endurance. And it's a remarkable story of how God's people, led by, by God Himself, are just in so many ways accomplished so many things together with Him. And so, this is a story of God's faithfulness to His promises, God's faithfulness to His promises, and also His provision. But it's more than that, it's also a story of God's people having faith in God, believing and trusting in God. And, and in everything, having the ability to overcome adversity. In other words, they were able to endure. They were able to hang on and press forward and, and, and move into places that are really unimaginable as we read throughout the, the story of, of, of Joshua. By the time we get to the text that we're looking at here today, we, 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 we know most of what has already taken place. If we know anything about the story of Israel, we know that by the time we get to this place, that, that Israel has breaking, broken free from the, the grip of a mighty Pharaoh, and they have made this exodus out of Egypt, and by divine power, uh, they have crossed the Red Sea. We, we continue to read the story, and we see that, that Moses led God's people away, and that at Mount Sinai, they were given God's law. We read in Leviticus how they were taught to worship and how, how worship was so central to who they were as they, as they worshiped God. But by the time we get to Numbers, we begin to see that they, they, many of them begin to fail in their trust with God. And so they begin to, to not trust God as much as they should. And, and we begin to see all the stories that pertain to that. As a result, God had held them back from the promised land. But this is a new day. By the time we get to this text today, this is a, this is a new day, and, and, and God is preparing to move his people across the Jordan River into the land that he has promised them, and what we see here and what we learn from this text is really just amazing to me, and I, I hope that you will see it as well. So here we are, starting with Joshua chapter 1 in this series, starting with verse 1 and going through verse 6. Now Moses has passed away. And Joshua has been commissioned to take God's people across the Jordan. Read this with me, if you will. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you will cause you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now in our passage today, what we're going to notice here is that God basically tells Joshua three things. You see, God is commissioning Joshua to to carry God's people across the land. And so as God is is interacting with Joshua, as he is revealing the, the vision that he has for God's people to cross into the Jordan, as he is now speaking into the, the life of Joshua, he basically in this passage tells Joshua three very important things. The first thing that he says is this. He says, I want you to consider what I want you to do. I want you to consider what I want you to to do. In other words, he is really challenging Joshua to imagine. He is challenging Joshua to contemplate on the things of God, the direction of God. He's causing him to to pause. He's challenging him to to just stop for just a moment and to consider what God is asking of him. And so here we see this in this passage when it says, "The Lord said to Joshua, "Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. And so here we see the Lord commissioning Joshua to carry God's people across the Jordan River and into this promised land. But the greatest obstacle that the people of Israel faced are the same obstacles that they had faced before. And there's basically two of them. There are two great obstacles that they had the the potential of falling into or, or falling trapped to. And it's basically this. The greatest two obstacles that they face, the biggest challenges, is fear and a lack of faith. Fear and a lack of faith. You see, the, the reality is Israel had, had seen God accomplish so much. And there had been other times where, where God had led the people of Israel and had challenged them to go. And these two things held them back. This is where we see the people of God begin to recall. They recall in their fear and their lack of, of faith, their lack of trusting God with the things that he has called them to has, has in the past kept them from moving forward. And so this is the two greatest obstacles that the people of Israel potentially faced. Could you imagine Joshua, upon hearing the great commission of God to to take the people and cross over into the Jordan River, walking down to the banks of the Jordan River, and as he walks down there, he looks at that river, which we come to realize in reading of the Scripture that it was flooding over its banks. I mean, it was a raging river. You know, I've been to the Jordan River, and it was a time when the river was low, and it wasn't moving that fast. It was still over my head. I mean, it was still deeper waters. But, but, but the Bibles tell us that this is a time when the, when the Jordan River is flowing very rapidly. And it, it, it's, it's at a, a very challenging place. And, and so could you imagine 
if Joshua would have walked up to the Jordan River and said, God, are you kidding me? Have you seen this river? I don't know how we're going to get across. I don't know how this is going to be possible. It doesn't look like something that we can do, God. I, I, I can just imagine as we read this text, after the death of Moses, the servant said, Arise and go, that Joshua stood on those banks and was scared to death of a raging water. Or could you imagine this? That Joshua, when God himself said, Arise and go, began to think about how in the past there had been times where they had heard things that still was affecting them. In other words, what if, what if Joshua at this time would say, well, that sounds like a great idea, God, but I remember a report that came in from some spies that said that there were giants over there. And you know what? You may think I'm braver than Moses, but I'm not. I'm not a man of courage. I mean, we, we, we see where fear and a lack of trust could have come into play and could have stopped the people of Israel. We, we see this. Could you imagine if in the midst of this commissioning by the Lord to Joshua, that Joshua began to think about his own inadequacies, and he began to think, God, I may not be the leader you think I am. I don't have what it takes to get across. And here's the most amazing thing, is that so many people fall into that trap, but God's not saying, I want you to go on your own strength. He's saying, I want you to do what I want you to do, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. He wasn't asking Joshua to do it in his own strength. But the potential was there for Joshua to think, man, I know who I am, and I just don't, I don't know if I have the skill set to move your people across the land, across the Jordan River. And so this was the two greatest fears that they, they had. And you know, it's, it's amazing to me, we, we see it all over this, this, this great country where, where churches are on the verge of moving forward. And it's like, it's like whenever God calls people to respond to a God-sized vision, it seems as though that's when people want to jump ship. And maybe it's because it's fear. Maybe it's because of the inability to trust God. I, I want to I share a story with you this morning. You know, I, I know in our life as a church, we've had several opportunities where we had to, we had to move forward and we had to trust God. And there were, there were times in our ministry where we looked at it and we could have had all the same fears that Joshua had. God, I don't know if you've seen the barriers that we face, but, but man, that, you need to take a look at what we're facing down here. We could have said those things. And I, and I look at the, the history of our church and how we took step after step of faith and, and we were moving forward but there was a time when we were meeting in an old warehouse and I know many of you that are here today remember that old warehouse but there was a time when we were meeting in a warehouse and we had the opportunity to move into this building there was about 400 of us that were worshiping there and during this moment of transition for us as a church where God was saying I am providing a, lot, a much larger facility for you to move into at a time when we were, where most of the church was very excited, there was a handful of people that were able to, that were, that were stuck in a place of saying, I just don't see it. I can't buy into it. I can't go. 
Now, here's what's remarkable about the story is, is that 35 or so people, they, they did end up leaving the church. But it didn't stop God's plans for moving forward. But here's the sad reality of how that story unfolded for me is because what those people missed is on the first Sunday when we moved into this church, we went from 400 to over 1,000 in the first Sunday. And if that's not, amen, and if, if that's not spiritual enough for you, in that first year that we moved into this building, we had over 154 people, new believers baptized, a believer's baptize, baptism in this building. And, and I look at that and how people are so willing or so, you know, I don't know if it's willing or what, just jumping ship when, when, when God says, hey, trust me, it's amazing because they're the ones that typically miss the greatest blessing. I don't want to miss the blessing. In fact, I don't want to even set goals that we ourselves are capable of accomplishing. Do you? I, I, I want to see God set the goals and us be amazed by those goals that he himself is setting for us and then knowing when we see those goals accomplished that only God himself is capable of that and so here we we see this passage where where Joshua was challenged to consider what I want you to do and I believe that the whole purpose of this this first message is to think about this that we must consider what it is that God would have us to do. Let us dream, let us contemplate, let us meditate, let us think about, let us read, let us study, let us pray, but let us come to understand what it's all about. The second thing that, that God was telling Joshua in this text was this. He, he, he also said to Joshua, he says, I want you to now imagine what I'm going to do. You see, at first, he challenges Joshua to consider what God wanted him to do. And now we see where God is telling Joshua, I want you to imagine what I am going to do, what I am capable of doing. And so here we see this in verse 3, and then again in verse 5, we see this. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. And then he says in verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I want us to, to really grasp and hold on to what it is that God is revealing to Joshua here in this moment. He says, imagine what I am going to do. Notice how God inspires Joshua to imagine what God is capable of. We see basically three things. He says, he says, this is what I'm going to do for you, Joshua. I'm going to keep my promises. God is faithful like that. He says, I'm going to keep my promises. He says, I'm going to take care of your enemies. I'm going to take care of your enemies. You remember when Nehemiah and the people were rebuilding the walls and how the enemies came up and they, they sneered and they laughed and they said, y'all can't accomplish that, you can't do that. And, 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 and they said, come down from that wall, Nehemiah. Come down and let us, let us talk to you for a minute. He says, I'm not going to come down from doing what God's called me to do. God has a way of taking care of the opposition, and he says here in this passage, no man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. And then he says this, and he says, and this is very encouraging. He says, 
He says, and I will be with you always. I will always be with you. So three promises that he basically makes in just these two verses where God himself says to Joshua, I want you to imagine what I am going to do for you and my people. It's very amazing. You know, I know our, our land that we purchased three years ago is not the promised land. I'm not trying to draw you know, a a thing here and say that that's the promised land. This is the land that God has promised us. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that the promises that God made to Joshua are the same promises he makes to us. Amen? And so what we see here is we see that God is, is, is faithful in his promises. He says, I will fulfill my promises. If I lead you somewhere, I'm going to be a God of provision for you. I'm going to take care of you. Our role becomes that of being the people of God who trust him to go. But I love how visionary God is here. In this text, God says to him, he says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Think about that for just a moment. You know, we we have this this great ability to consider where we're at today, don't we? We we, we can see clearly where we stand today. And and, and as individual followers of Christ and even as a church, it's real easy to see, well, this is where we are today. And God may say, I'll give you that. And we believe that. But here, what he says to Joshua is much more visionary. It's, 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 a, it's a larger thing to consider. It's moving away from the now and into the future. He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I now have given to you. He gives him the vision to go and to possess a land. Go and take over this place that I have given to you. There is a reason that I want you to go, and it's to take the land that I am giving you. He also says here, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. It's real easy to see today how God's fighting our battles for us, right? Amen? We see that. We see God waging war for us all the time. I mean, we we face a lot of spiritual battles, but here God says this. He says, not only here in the now, but in the future. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to give up on you. So this morning, I would like for us to imagine not just a building, not just a building, because that's not what this is about. Not just imagine, uh, you know, a place that God is going to take us, not not 14.6 acres of land with a new building on it. I, I would like for us to imagine what God really wants to do in this initiative, and that is to grow us spiritually beyond what is comfortable and normal and basic and safe. God wants to teach us to trust him to cross a river even when that river looks impossible to cross. God wants to do something in our hearts. That's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to imagine what is possible with God doing something incredible in our life. In our past, we've had several sermon series like Matters of the Heart and others that followed before that where God really brought revival into our hearts and and, and there were things that began to take place. I know I grow in just about every series that we walk through where as I study God's Word, He reveals more and more uh, about Himself to me. And it's just amazing to see over and over and over when God dives into the hearts of people, 
<clears throat> excuse me, how those hearts are transformed bigger and better every day. This is so much more than just seeing a piece of land with a new building on it. It's about seeing how this spiritual initiative can challenge us in such a way to where in the end, our faith in God is much stronger than it ever has been before. And you see how that helps us in life is when we face the most difficult situations in our own life, we said, we, we would be able to say, God, I've seen you at work in my heart. I've seen you at work in my life. I've seen you do big things in my life and the life of our faith family. And suddenly our faith and our trust in him continues to grow. You know, we say this isn't about a building, it's about people. I want to share with you what we came up with as, as five convictions, spiritual convictions or campaign convictions, whatever you want to call them. But these are five things that when we, when we drilled down and we really prayed about what God was calling us to do, we recognize these things as the things that really matter most to God and therefore they matter most to us. And so here they are, five campaign convictions that we came up with. The first one is this, because of our commitment to community and worshiping together and the current reality that we are, in a, uh, that we are a large and growing church, we must build an exceptional place of worship. Now let me just clear this up for you because I want you to understand what we mean by exceptional place of worship. We're not talking about extravagant. We're not talking about gold-plated stuff and chandeliers. When we talk about an exceptional place of worship, what we're talking about is community and worship being exceptional in this place. Does that make sense this morning? As we think about what it means to build a building, what we realize is that that becomes a permanent place for us to have community together to worship together as a faith family coming together and having a place of community within a community in which we live and so that was one of our convictions we believe in collective worship that's why you're here today amen you're here to worship together with your faith family we value that we believe in that we will continue in that the second conviction is this, because of a commitment to our children and students and the current reality of having less than adequate venues in which we can minister to them, we must provide a safe and clean, clean atmosphere for them. Here's what we believe. We believe that our children matter. How many of you want to just praise God for that? Amen? Our children matter to us. The safety of our children matter. The, the, the ability for us to minister and disciple to our children, that matters to us. And so this is a, a, a campaign conviction for us. We don't want to build a place that's not safe. We don't want to build a place that doesn't offer an atmosphere of spiritual growth for our children and our students. Here's the third one. Because of our commitment to discipleship and equipping uh, and the current reality uh, of limited and functional space, we must create environments that, uh, that foster spiritual growth. We are a church that is committed, that is committed to discipleship, to discipleship. Jesus would say to us as a church, to 
Therefore, go and make disciples. That is the single most greatest challenge that Jesus has ever given the church is to make disciples. And so discipleship is one of those things that is very valuable to us. It is what we care about. It's what we long for. It's what we want to continue to do. And so here we must understand that we want to create spaces that foster spiritual growth in the lives of believers. Number four. Because of our commitment to excellence and stability and our current reality of a temporary and aging facility, we must establish a permanent home for our faith family. We live right now, currently we reside in a rented facility and it's an aging facility and it's one that's not going to be available to us much longer. And so we must make plans to move to somewhere that is more permanent and one of the things that I love about that is it offers to our community, it, it, it promotes to our community stability. In other words, we're here to stay. And then the fifth conviction, campaign conviction that we have is this. Because of our commitment to reaching our communities with the gospel and the current reality that 76% of the people in our region are still unchurched, we must launch more campuses. I want you to think about that for just a moment. 76% of our community. Now, we live in the, the Bible Belt. In other words, we're probably the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we're, we're in the heart of the Bible Belt. And yet, in our community, right here in Valdosta, Georgia, 76% of the people that live here are unchurched are unchurched. I believe that the number is great of the people who have, who have even never heard the name of Jesus. We are committed to taking the gospel message out into our communities that others would discover what we know, already know about Jesus Christ, and that is that he offers to them eternal salvation and the hope in the midst of their hopeless lives. We believe that. That is important to us. And so here are just a few of the things. God says to Joshua, imagine what I am going to do if you remain faithful to me and just trust me. That's what God's saying. And so here we see that what God tells Joshua is consider what I have done I want you to do, and then imagine what I am going to do. And then he tells him this third thing. He says this. He says, trust in the provision I have for you. Trust in the provision I have for you. The first four words of verse 6 is this. Be strong and courageous. Think about this for just a moment. God has just commissioned Joshua to take the people of God across the Jordan River and into the promised land. And so as God has now commissioned him to do this, as God has now challenged him to, to move forward in this, to, to carry out the vision that he has given him, as, as God is challenging him to do this, could there have been four better words to choose to communicate this truth? Trust me. God is saying to Joshua, trust me. God is saying to Joshua, you don't have to lean on your own strength. 
You don't, have to, you don't have to rely on your own talents and your own gifts. I'm going to be there for you. He says to Joshua here in this passage, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. God is very clear that he is going to be with them throughout the whole process. And the challenging thing that God says to Joshua is trust me. I love what 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says. It says, be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. I love that. That challenges me every time I read it. Be strong. You know, I love a good before and after picture have you ever seen before and after pictures you know uh we we see them a lot these days but it's typically when somebody's trying to lose weight or something it's like here i am before and here i am after or maybe they're restoring an old car and they show the old car and they say here's the car before and then you see a picture after I, I want to show you this morning a couple of pictures because these, these are sort of before and after pictures that I want to just share with us this morning because I want to remember, I want, to, I want us to imagine this morning of what God is capable of doing. And I want to offer to us all this morning a bit of perspective as we consider what God has accomplished in this place. The first picture is a picture of the house that we started meeting in when there were 13 adults, and then the place that we're now meeting in today. Do you think those two pictures offer a pretty good before and after? I mean, if you just look around, and you know, after this service, we got this many or more coming into the second service. We have a campus equipment where we're meeting down there. God is doing incredible things in this place. Amen? Can we give Jesus a hand? We have always... We have always tried to be very intentional to say this is not because of the skill set of a few good men. This is because it was God's will and his purpose, and he is carrying it out among this, the people of the city. And so that's a before and after. Here's another one that I want us to consider this morning. What if in, ten, what if in a few years we went from the place we're meeting now to a new building like this? Amen? where we can keep our children safe, that doesn't look anything like it does today. And even then, when we move into this building, still being able to say, to God be the glory. Because what we recognize more than anything is that it's not what it, the building is about, it's about what's happening in the building, amen? Where God is moving in the hearts and the minds of people and in the same way that we saw God move in incredible ways when we went from a warehouse to an to a old Winn-Dixie building, I believe that God is going to move in incredible ways even more than when we move from this building to a permanent facility. I believe we're going to see God move in incredible ways. If, if that wasn't enough perspective for you, i got a few more pictures. And I don't know if everybody has has seen these or yet, but we've got a picture of, of, of the building we moved from the house. Go to that next picture there for me. You see that little room there? You see there's about, about 20 people in that room? That was, that's an actual picture of us gathering. We're getting ready to worship the Lord right there. You see over to the left, there's a little screen. You know what we were using 10 years ago? 
an OPEC projector to put words to songs so that we could come together and worship God in a mighty way. And then we, we were so glad that day we got an a old warehouse in Remington, Georgia, and we moved in there. Let me show you this picture. You see that? That's where we were. How many of you remember this place? Anybody was a part of the church at, at this place? This was a place, man, we worship God in a big way. Notice Spence looks 12 years old right there. You see that? I think that is so funny. I know he was down there going, oh, no, you know. And, and today he looks 14. So it's, it's really good that, that, uh, that we, we get to see God grow people in that way, right? So you know I love you, right, Spence? Uh, I told him I had a surprise for him this morning. So anyway, there, there was a, that's, fortunately, I'm not up there because I had really bad hair back then as well. So I tell you, a lot changes in 10 years. But that's just a little perspective there as we think about this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. It says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. How many of you believe that this morning? Amen. This is the Word of God. And what the Word of God says is that for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Vertical is a spiritual initiative. It's not just a building campaign. Vertical is about what Jesus wants to do in our hearts. It's about what Jesus wants to continue doing in the lives of many. It's about Him transforming our lives, growing our faith, and eliminating fear in our life. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, you know, from time to time, fear life, you know? Can I be honest with you? I do too. I mean, sometimes there's times in my life where I fear life, but one thing I think is really remarkable about what God does in our life, even though we fear life, God gives us the courage to keep going forward, amen? And so that's what God is doing in our hearts as we, as we think about all of this. This series is, is, is all about what Jesus wants to do in our life. And so this morning, the key question is this. And we got this one to put up on the board for you here this morning, up on the screens. But the key question is this. How can you courageously engage in this journey? How can you courageously engage in this journey? You see, a lot of you are probably thinking, well, I am engaged. I am a part of this. But, but, but I'm talking about taking it to the next level for every one of us, including myself. Contemplating what God wants to do in our hearts, what God wants to do in our life, and how God wants to grow our faith, and how God wants to do incredible things in our life to reveal more about Himself to us. And so this morning, the greatest most challenging question that every one of us can ask ourselves this morning is how can I courageously engage in this journey? I want to give you three ways and then we're going to close up and wrap up. The first one is this. We want you to think about it. We want you to study it. We want you to learn what God is is trying to do through this initiative. You know, what we're going to provide with you this morning is, is two things. Um, first of all, we want to give you a brochure when you leave out of here. It has all the, all the pertinent information of, of what's going on with this campaign and what we're doing in the, the vertical series. 
And, and so we want to hand you one of these. Every person can get one. Uh, it's something that we want to hand out to each and every one. It's got the floor plans in here. It's got the rendering pictures in here. It's got frequently asked questions page if you lost your old one. It's, you know, the things that we've already handed out. It's got all kind of things to help you prepare for what this series is all about. So we want you to read through here. One of my favorite parts of this brochure are the remarkable testimonies that are scattered all through this book. Be sure and read the stories, the testimonies that people give about life change in this place. The second thing that we want to hand out to help you as well is what we call a family worship guide. These are probably over in our children's ministry area. If you don't have one, Gabe Bailey and his team have put these together, and I just really appreciate the effort that has gone into this. But it's it's a remarkable guide to how families can come together throughout this series and worship together. They can learn together. They can pray together. They can discuss this with their family together. Because again, this is about building up generations of disciples. Amen? And so we have that for you as well. And, uh, and so we want to hand those things to you because we want you to process everything that's taken place in this initiative. The second thing we want to challenge you to do is this, and it has to be this, is to pray about this. To seek God during this time together, starting today, tonight. Tonight, let me tell you about what's going on tonight. Tonight, we're going to have a a time, a special time of prayer, starting at 5.30 and and going to about 7. You can come anytime you like. Come with your family. Come with your life group. Come as an individual. Come any way you want. But tonight at 5.30, we're opening the doors, and we're going to have a special time. And what we hope is that every single one of you sitting here today will be here for that prayer time. Let's come together, and let's begin to pray. Let's pray and ask God to, and thank God for all that He's done. But let, him pr- let us pray together as a faith family and ask God to continue to reveal to us His purpose and our plans both as individuals and as a church. Let us come together and be people of prayer. And so we want to do that, and we want to ask you to pray about it. Then the third thing is, we want to ask you to give to it. To give to it. You see, this is going to take the people of God giving more of themselves than they ever have before. To give financially. There are two ways that we're going to ask you to give throughout this series. We're going to ask that in just three weeks at our commitment service, we're going to ask that you give a go offering, an offering that is is maybe the largest gift you've ever given to anything like this before. Linnell and I are already praying about what our go offering gift will be to this church, and and we're praying for you and that, that, that you would use this time as you pray to God to say, God, what kind of gift can I bring to to this go offering that says, God, I trust you, even with things like my finances. And so let us pray. Let us give to this thing. The second way that we're going to ask the church to give is to make a a, a three-year pledge to a, a monthly or yearly contribution toward the go offering. We know, we've run the numbers and we know that if the people of this church that call this place their faith family, if we come together, we can accomplish the goals that we have to build this building and to see lives continue to be changed 
forever and ever within this community and beyond. And so that's the ways we're going to challenge us to give. You know, one of the things that we're planning that day when we bring our Go offering is just something really remarkable. We're going to offer to each person a gift that Sunday. And that gift will be something that you can carry home, but then later bring back. And we've got a real surprise, so I'm not going to spoil it. Just a little teaser right there, but it's going to be a pretty significant thing for us as a church. We are very excited about what God is doing in this campaign, this spiritual initiative. We believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to move in ways that we can only imagine. Or maybe we can't even imagine. I believe that this city is going to be transformed through this initiative. I believe that God is desiring to do that much in this initiative. And so this morning, as we prepare to close out, let us pray and ask God to show us this morning what He desires to do in us and through us and even through us together as a faith family. I'm going to close with a word of prayer and then I'm going to ask Spence and the the team, if they'll come up and lead us in a time of worship. What an amazing time that we have to look forward to as we look into the future of our church. Let us begin to pray now. Maybe tonight you're not able to make it. You have a prior uh, appointment, but maybe this is an opportunity for you to come to this altar and just pray for our church. Pray that God will continue to lead. Pray that God will continue to move in remarkable ways. As we close out this service together, Let us continue to worship. Father, we are thankful for this day. And Father, we are thankful for the amazing work that you have done in our life. God, how how we see Joshua's story so many times in our own life. But many times, God, when we look at Joshua's story, we also see that there have been times in our life where maybe we didn't have the faith that we needed to trust you. God, I pray I pray that right now as we prepare to move forward, as we look at today as the future of Cross Point Church, I pray, God, that you would move in such a way that we would recognize your presence in our life. And God, our prayer would be to move us into deeper waters, to help us to know with certainty, God, that you are looking to do something amazing in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, our families. God, and even in our church, God, we love you. We worship you. We absolutely adore you. And God, it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.